All right, so in the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number five, Matthew chapter number five, and we're going to look at the end of the chapter, again, Matthew chapter number five, and I was, this past Sunday, of course, was Loving Heart Sunday, and as I was studying uh, that subject, of course, there's, the Bible says so much more than can be put into one Sunday, even with doing a Sunday school lesson. <laughs> then I have my Sunday morning message prepared, and I was planning on doing the message Sunday night, and it just it just kept spreading out and spreading, and so <laughs> tonight is kind of an extension of Sunday, and uh, this evening I'm going to speak on maintaining a loving heart for our enemies, and uh, we'll read beginning with verse number 43 of Matthew chapter number 5. The Bible says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor, and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which <coughs> love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute the brethren, your brethren only, what do you, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be therefore perfect, even as your Father, <clears throat> which is in heaven, is perfect. We look at verses 43 through 47 tonight. I am going to speak on that subject, maintaining a loving heart <clears throat> for our enemies. Let's ask the Lord to help us. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for guidance in uh, dealing with uh, different people, guidance in how to treat others. And Father, certainly you are the example we thank you for the word, word of God. May it speak to us this evening. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you think back to Sunday morning, if you were here on Sunday morning, I spent a good bit of time uh, building on uh, when Jesus was speaking to his disciples in, in John chapter number 13. And he referenced that they were, you know, they were, they were taking love thy neighbor or love one another to another level. He was going to be commissioning his church uh, to take the gospel to the whole world. And we talked a little bit about the church is a church for all people, and God's church should be that way. And now we come again to Matthew chapter number 5, and Jesus is uh, speaking on many things in this chapter, but he comes to the end of the chapter, and he speaks on loving thy neighbor. And uh, before we get it, I'm going to jump right into the outline tonight because I have several points I want to make. But I want to remind us uh, that one of the characteristics of a child of God is a loving heart. Um, we are focusing in this campaign on being uh, a diligent heart, having a diligent heart, keeping our heart with all diligence, because out of it are the issues of life. If we would spend, as a child of God, this is good for everybody, your pastor included, if we would spend our time focused on our heart issues uh, it's, we would certainly have uh, less uh, action problems. We would certainly have uh, less issues uh, that we deal with uh, because we're dealing with our heart. Well, Pastor, if everybody just treated me well, I, I would get a lot. It would be wonderful. <coughs> True, but not everybody's going to treat you well. And so we are accountable not for how others treat us, but how we respond uh, to how others treat us. And so uh, tonight is going to be very, very uh, important, especially in that it's always been important, of course, Especially in the day we live in, I believe it's vital. And so let's look into what Jesus has said. I'm going to give you uh, four, four points tonight. It's basically going to build the foundation 
And then I'm going to give you three things right at the end. I'll just mention them, one, two, three, uh, on how to maintain, put into action to maintain a loving heart. I'm going to show us from the words of Jesus why it's necessary, why it's important, what we should actually be doing when it comes to loving our enemies. And then, uh, very quickly, three words uh, that will help us maintain that loving heart. Because of what I'm speaking on tonight, I think we all know we're supposed to do it. You know what I've discovered in my Christian life? Uh, I, I know what I'm supposed to do. Most Christians know what they're supposed to do. We're just not doing everything we're supposed to be doing. And we know that we're supposed to do this, so hopefully tonight we'll be reminded of the importance of it and action steps of how to do it, maintaining a loving heart for our enemies. Number one, look at me at verse number 43. Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. <coughs> but I say unto you, love your enemies. Number one, there's a false assumption. Christ had to deal with the prejudice, arrogance, and pride of his disciples, of the Jew. I spoke on this on Sunday morning a good bit, and I don't have time to really rehash it. And he mentions a command that I referenced Sunday morning, love thy neighbor as thyself. Um, love thy neighbor was a command. They were also commanded not to hate their enemies. Now, why is this important? I didn't have time to expand on this Sunday morning. But they had developed in their mind that if I love my neighbor, I must then hate my enemy. It's an either or. And that's not the way it is. Uh, one thing that was, a, that was very shocking to me is when we went to Israel is this attitude and this air that still exists that we read in Scripture today. I mentioned on Sunday morning that uh, the, the, these, the Jews in that day believed that Gentiles were, were, were just dogs and Samaritans were, were, were just inferior. And they were, they were told uh, not to, uh, they were to, and Jesus was saying, we're going beyond that. The church is going beyond that. And, and we're, we're, we're through salvation, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. And, and, and I, I preached on that on Sunday morning. But there was a false assumption that Jesus had to deal with that in order to do one thing, it meant that I have to, had to love one thing, I had to hate the other. And he had to deal with this false assumption. This is important because right away we need to be reminded that we sometimes fall into this false assumption as well. Because I love something, I have to hate everything. Now, we should not bring college football into the church. I don't mean you don't like college. As a matter of fact, as a Georgia Bulldog fan, this is a good time to bring college football into the church. All in favor? Oh, wow, that was better than I thought. No, what I mean by that, in the, in the college football world, if you're a Florida Gator, you hate the Florida State Seminoles. If you're a Florida State Seminole, you hate the Gators. If you're a Florida Gator, everybody hates you. No, uh, you, you, it's, it's, uh, um, that's what it is. You just can't, you just can't, I mean, you, you want to hurt somebody, have their child. Grow up in a home where dad is an avid fan of a team and then like another team. That crushes them. Now, when it comes to sports, that's okay. I mean, that's, that's fine. But when it comes to life, 
it shouldn't be that way. Um, when it comes to stands that we take, I believe in this day we live in, we should take strong stands. Jesus took strong stands. His apostles took strong stands. As a pastor, I'm commanded to stand where the Bible stands. Not everybody likes the stands. In the world we live in today, in the political realm, in the spiritual realm, <laughs> we should take strong stands. But that does not mean that because we take a strong stand that we have to hate those who necessarily embody what, we, what it is that we oppose. I, I trust that you get this from your pastor from time to time, from, from, from your, pastor's, your pastor's perspective. Sometimes I have to draw lines because the Bible does. Part of my responsibility is just to, is to teach you the Word of God, but part of my responsibility is to walk guard around his church and to keep false doctrine from getting in, to keep division from taking place. We have to be of one heart, of one mind. Now, just because I have to draw a line from time to time doesn't mean... I hate you, it's actually the contrary. Just because I have to take a stand against a certain thing that seems to be creeping into our homes doesn't mean I hate. And by the way, I, 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 it's sad to say that there are some that that, that is true. Um, I, I, I hope that doesn't ever happen. I want to keep my heart how it should be. I hope you're getting the point that I'm making. There's a false assumption that if I take a stand, I've got to... I've got, I've got to no, we're supposed to have, you can have both. That's what Jesus was saying. He's saying you can love thy neighbor and love your enemy. He lays that groundwork. That groundwork. Um, there's that false assumption. <laughs> Number two, this, this, is a, this, is a, this is a little bit lengthier one. There's a stated command. He deals with a false assumption. Then right in verse 43, 44, uh, notice in your Bible, he says, but I say unto you, okay, just as they should have stopped and, and paid close attention, we ought to stop and pay close attention to this as well. But I say unto you, this is Jesus speaking. Now, whenever Jesus speaks, whenever God is saying this is the way it is, take your opinions, ball them up, and throw them over your shoulder. Because they don't matter. Because Christ is saying, but I say unto you. Something we all we all do this. Well, I know what this is, but I think. But I think. I know what Jesus said, but I think. Uh, <coughs> um, that's part of the problem, is we're thinking and not obeying. Um, when Jesus is speaking, he's saying, But I say unto you. Now we have a stated command, which means he does not give us an option. If we're going to be obedient, we have to obey. What is that stated? Don't you want to make, make Jesus happy? Don't you want to obey Christ? Okay, I'm glad we're in agreement on that. So he is now saying, but I say unto you. We, ought to, we have to listen to Christ and no other. We don't listen to religion. We don't listen to society uh, we, or anything else on this matter. Christ has spoken. But there's no. If Jesus wants there to be an exception, he'll make the exception himself. But he's not given the exception. And, I, and I'll mention this later. Matter of fact, he provides himself as the example of loving those who are your enemy. Notice what he says. But I say unto you, love your 
enemies. Now, is that hard to understand? I didn't ask if it was hard to do. Are y'all with me tonight? Y'all awake? Or is this just a very uncomfortable subject we're on tonight? It's easy to understand. Love your enemies. You may hate what the enemy says. Now, by the way, a lot of times we call people enemy. They're not our enemy. Sometimes our enemy is just lost. Um, does the church have enemies? Does God's church have enemies? Absolutely. Do those who, you know, uh, hold the freedom and liberty, does it have enemies? Absolutely. Is the devil the enemy of your home? Absolutely. Enemy of your marriage? Absolutely. Uh, but we've, we've got to understand something. You may hate what somebody says. You may suffer at somebody else's actions. You may even pity someone because of the way that they're living and the things that they're doing. Yet you can and you should still be kind. You can and you should still be kind. Um, this is a challenge for all of us. You ought to seek to do them good. I didn't say you had to agree with them. I didn't say you had to put down what is right to get along with them. That's compromise. And quite frankly, where we are in our world, in our nation, because there's been too much of that. It doesn't mean you, you turn your back on Christ and what he teaches to embrace. That's not what it's saying. If there's a way to do them good, you do them good. I'm going to expand on this in just a moment. But let me give you an illustration of how you do this. You're driving down the road and you see a car and it's got all these bumper stickers on it that believes in everything that you don't. It's got their voting history from the last six elections still on there. And you're like, communist, 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 communist. <laughs> or yay, social, socialism, yay, socialism, yay. And you probably have an opinion. You're like, what is their problem? Why are they in Florida? I'm going to call the governor. Why, why, are they, why are they here? Then all of a sudden, I mean, there's, you know, there's some traffic. The blinker comes on. And they need over in your lane. But this is the lane for pro-freedom, G.I. Joe. I mean, this is, this is, Matter of fact, I think Ronald Reagan paved this, this road one day. I mean, this, this is, and they won't in my lane. What Jesus is teaching there, if you have. They're obviously the enemy of, of my country. Well, okay, fine. I'm not disputing that ideology. I'm not. <laughs> but what Jesus is saying is, if you can do them good, do them good. He's not saying have a cup of coffee with them. He's not saying, you know, meet and sing kumbaya. He's not saying that. But what he's saying is, if you can do them good, you have a responsibility to do them good. I was going to hold the door, but I saw, I, saw, I, saw, I saw what they were wearing. I saw in a good night. Look at them. I mean, you go to Walmart, <laughs> and uh, you see the way people are dressed and acting and it's like you know did you just roll out of bed and 
You know, I, I think I don't where this happens. They come home from work. I gotta go to Walmart, so I gotta get my pajamas on so I can go to Walmart. So <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. So, and so you're like, what? And and you find a way to when you could be good, you could do them good. You don't. <laughs> what Jesus is saying is, you can and you still be kind. That's showing love to your enemy. You can let them, and you shouldn't do this either. I'm going to let them over so I can tailgate them. And that's not what I'm talking about either. That's not what he's, that's not what he's referencing either. If you can do them good, we should do them good. Now, I ought to be able to stop right here, and there ought to be a little bit of conviction or a lot of, big, a lot of conviction. Something speaking to every one of us. Because it goes against our very nature, doesn't it? But if we can do them good, do them good. Now, notice what Jesus continues to say. He says, but love your enemies. <coughs> Bless them. That'd be enough. He just said, love your enemies. Then we can interpret that however we want to interpret it. Right? He said, love your enemies. But he's going to go on now, and he's going to give some specific admonishments. Bless them that curse you. Nowhere where you find God saying, do to them what they did to you. I don't get mad, I get even. That's not in the Bible. You can get mad, but you're not supposed to get even. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Wow, they deserve us what they did. No, that's, that's, not what, that's not the way Christ teaches. Um, he says, bless them that curse you. Well, I don't know what to do when people treat me this way. Bless them that curse you. You don't know what this person's <coughs> said about me, done, and all these things. Bless them that curse you. Now, what, what is exactly is he saying? Um, there are those that desperately use you, persecute you. Bless them means to speak well of. This is, if I can put it this way, this is big boy Christianity. This is not surface stuff. Isn't it shallow? This is, and here's the thing, you know, and, and, and some people cringe when I say this. And we, we like to take care of everything that people see. But Jesus says, bless them that curse you. If I ever get the opportunity, I'm going to say, bless them. That curse you. Bless them means to speak well of. You've heard, you hear, we read it in the Psalms. We say it. Bless you, Lord. When God's good to us, bless you, Lord. You know what that is? That is praise you, Lord. Think about what Jesus is saying. He's saying those that curse you, <coughs> those that despitefully use you, what does that mean? That means they, they, they inflict injury. They by un unjustly accusing, they use systems that are in place to work against you. They then persecute you, means to simply vex or appease. And that can be from, a, from something little to the persecution we read about in Scripture. And what he is saying, if, even if, you know, this is what we like to do, but you don't know what they said about me, you don't know what they did, you don't, you don't know all the trouble they've caused, he said, bless them. Speak well of them. 
Bless you, Lord. That's praise. Praise the Lord. Can you imagine what he's saying? He's saying, you can insert the name there, bless you, so-and-so. What, what, exactly how do I do that? You speak, of, we, you speak of what you can say that's good about him. Or you don't say anything at all. Speak of what we can commend or commit to say nothing at all. That's a statement that we all ought to have. Speak of what we can commend or commit to say nothing at all. It doesn't excuse what they've said, what they've done. God will deal with them. What Jesus is saying is, what he's also applying here, God will take care of what God will take care of. You love your enemies. Because you, he, the, the, his followers, his disciples are going to have enemies. His church has enemies. The Christian today has enemies. It's always been that way. And what he is saying, now, let me remind you, this is a stated command. He didn't say, well, if you just want to get to a place of higher living. And, no, he said, but I say unto you, bless them that curse you despitefully use you, persecute you. <laughs> I read from Romans chapter number 12 very, very quickly. You can write this reference down. I won't wait on you to get there, but Romans chapter number 12 in verse 17. Recompense to no man evil for evil. Provide things honest in the sight of all men. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. Dearly beloved, <laughs> avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written... Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not over <coughs> overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. You don't fight evil with evil. That's why you, you know it. If, if, if you have any awareness of the internet, there's so much filth and garbage on the internet and it's not all coming out of Hollywood. It's 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 the slander. It's the it's the it's the it's the it's the arguing. It's the it's all of these things. Well, I'm going to get on there and straighten them out. You don't overcome evil with evil. You overcome it with good. We have forgotten that there's somebody who sits on his throne that holds us all accountable. And if Christ has commanded us, and he has, to respond a certain way, we are to respond that way, God will take care of everybody else. So it is up to us, and I remind you, again, if you want to write that reference down, Romans 12, 17 through 20, recompense to no man evil for evil, provide things honest in all of all men. And this, was, this verse is misquoted many times, or applied how we want to apply it. If it be possible, as much as lieth in you, live peaceably with all men. If it be possible. Now, there's sometimes people will not live at peace with us. They're not going to live at peace with us. They, they, have, they have, I don't even know any other way to say it, they have problems. And they refuse to live at peace with other people. Um. But I can still be at peace with them. 
I'm at war with them. Well, I'm not at war with you. Well, I'm going to do everything I can. Knock yourself out. Because if I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, and we as a church, and all of us do what we're supposed to do, God will take care of things. He'll take care of things. Avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath. If thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. And now we shouldn't take that either. It's like, man, it's, take this water, because it's like fires of coals on your head. No, we probably shouldn't have that motive either. Um, but you know what's a great testimony? is when we treat people different than they treat us. When... They're, they're, I've referenced this before, and there's, there's many, many accounts of it. Of those that are martyring the saints in centuries gone by and the way they responded to them, many of those bystanders, many of those who were administering actually converted to Christ. Uh, we have that responsibility. It's a stated command. <laughs> I didn't say this was easy to live, but it's pretty simple. Why? And then he goes on. He's, he gives that command to bless them that curse, curse you. But then he gives a reason, and that's number three, is to resemble the Father. Look at verse 45. <coughs> that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Why are you going to do this? When you do this, ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. This is not saying, this is not having anything to do with salvation. But it's so that you resemble your father. If your child gets old enough, and you, you get, if you have, you have a son, he gets old enough, and he picks up a ball, and he throws it, or he, he likes a certain thing. He's like, oh, he's just like his father. Or, ladies, you may use that in a negative connotation. Oh, my goodness, he's just like his father. Of course, there's nothing negative that we can say about our Lord, but we ought to act in a way, and they say, oh, that Christian is just like his father. He's, he's, he's just like God. Now, you know what I mean with that. None of us are just like God. But I want to resemble him enough where I look more like him than, my, than, than the devil. The devil's mean, angry, destructive, an accuser, slanderer, hateful, bitter. I would rather resemble my father than the devil. But sad, sad, and this is what we're talking about, many Christians resemble the devil more than they do God the Father. The devil is a discord sower. The devil is an accuser. The, the, <coughs> the devil's hateful. The devil is a destroyer. <coughs> I want to resemble him, and we can say and do all kinds of things and say, oh, I'm doing this because I'm a Christian. But Jesus, and, and I'm not discounting those things. But Jesus is saying, there'll be no doubt. You'll be like your father if the very people who are your enemy, who are hating you, who are cursing you, who are, who are uh, persecuting you, who, who, are, who revile you, if those very people, you say, when I have an opportunity to bless them, I'm going to bless them. When I have an opportunity to do good, I'm going to do good. Well, I got a neighbor that's hateful. That is, don't kick the trash can out in the street. Walk it up to the house. They might call the cops on you, but you know, you're trying. 
You get the point I'm making. In order to do that, ye may be the children of your father. Wait, this ought to be, you know, we need to, we need to stop finding looking for loopholes. We need less loophole Christians. We search the Bible to find a loophole to do what my flesh wants to do. Now let's stop that and say, how can I resemble God more? How can I look like Him more? How can, I, how, how can there be no doubt that when people watch my actions, that I resemble Him? And by, by the way, we don't do that for pride, but when the world sees that we resemble our Father, it speaks to the world. Because that's not how anybody acts today. That's not how people react today. Why do we do it? We want to resemble our Father. Then number four, we look again at verse 45 down to verse 47. Ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven, for he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do you more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Number four, it is the least behavior. You know, he's like, well, I love, I, I love my church family. You should, but you ain't special because you do. It, it ought to be easy for us to love one another. It, it ought to be, and we ought to love our church family. It's the least. What is, what is, notice what is being said. For he, verse 45, maketh his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. God doesn't just send rain for those people who love him and praise him. He doesn't just have the sun rise on those who love him and praise him. He doesn't turn things off for the, for the God denier. Just like Christ didn't just go to the cross for a select few, for those who are predetermined in the mind of God. No, he went for those who nailed the nails in his hand, as well as those that would believe. He went for those who mocked him and spat upon him. I, I could never do that. Well, aren't you thankful that God sent His Son and His Son did that? See, He doesn't just... So if I'm going to be like God, if we're going to be like <coughs> our Heavenly Father, if we're going to resemble Him, then we must act in a way that He would act, act in a way that gives glory to Him. And you don't shouldn't just go through your days like, oh, hi, are, you a, are you a Christian? Well, no, well, have a bad day. Are you a Christian? Yes, have a, have a good day. Are you, oh, you, have a, you have a bad day. Are you a gay? Have a bad day. That's okay. No, um, you get the point I'm making? We should have a smile on our face every day, all day. Pastor Alberts, I know, I know, I know. He re references the publicans. Well, he says in verse 46, it's very important. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? 
I mean, come on. If I'll love you if you love me. I'll be nice to you if, you, if you're nice to me. It's easy to, to be, to reciprocate love, isn't it? How many times are we like, I wonder how they're going to be. I haven't seen them in so long. I wonder how. And they're like, oh, it's so good to see you. It's like, oh, I was just thinking the same thing. So good to see you. But then if it's like, yeah, I knew they were a jerk. I thought exactly how I remember them. It's easy to love those who love us. What about those who don't love us back? I hate to put it like this, but I'm going to. Sometimes we as Christians act like spoiled, immature, third-grade girls on the playground. I wasn't trying to offend you, but we all act this way sometimes. Well, they weren't nice to me, so I'm not going to be nice to them. Why, why do you like them? Why do I like them? Oh, they're nice to me. But notice there's a point he's making here. Now, watch, watch what, he, what he compares it to. They're not even the publicans the same. You cannot read, if you just read the gospel, sit down and read through the gospels, which I would recommend. There's certain groups that you're going to see over and over and over again. That's why, let me just interject this again, give you advice like I, get, I do this all the time. Pick, set aside some time to read an entire book of the Bible from beginning to end. Because it gives you a really good context and picture. If you do that with any of the four Gospels, there's going to be certain groups that, that, that you see over and over again. You're going to see the disciples. You're going to see the multitudes. You're going to see the Pharisees. You're going to see the Sadducees. You're going to see the publicans. He references the publicans. The publicans had no grace or mercy for anybody who was not exactly like them. They would only accept those who were just like them. If you weren't in the club, then you got no kindness, you got no favor, because you should conform to what they think you should conform. He is using as an example, and he says, if you only love those who love you, you're just like the publicans. He's also comparing the publicans because that's what the disciples were to be the opposite of. And we have to be reminded of this. For you to love somebody who loves you back, it, you should. It should be easier. But how about those who don't? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard when you love a loved one that doesn't show that love back. It's hard when you extend kindness and that person doesn't extend it back. It's hard as a Christian when there's somebody you care about and you want to show them that you care. And what you get in return is anything like what you extend. It's difficult when you love somebody, you want to be a help to somebody. It's hard. One of the hardest things you'll ever do is try and give somebody the gospel. And then have them not just reject it, but be vile in their rejection. And all you're trying to do is offer them, extend the love through us that Christ extends. But what is the reaction? Is it bile back? Is it anger back? I hope it's a tear. I hope it's compassion. And so he says the least you, God doesn't just, you know, it's like, okay, everybody praise God because that depends on whether you get rained or not tomorrow or not. God doesn't do that. 
and neither should we. Now, there's the four statements. I think I think you have a great explanation and context this passage of scripture. I titled this this evening with how to maintain a loving heart for your enemies. We've seen the importance of it. We've seen what it means. I'm going to give you three words, very simple, and we're done. First of all, the first word is pattern. We have to follow the pattern. Who's the pattern? Jesus Christ. Jesus could teach this with authority, one, because he was the Son of God. But two, in fulfilling his purpose for coming to earth, that's exactly what he would do. It's, it's, it's a it's a sobering thing. I've been doing some study for our next campaign starting on Easter Sunday where, like I did last year, I taught with all the characters that were at the cross. I'm, I'm going to do a Sunday morning series on the trial of Christ. And all those events and, and all the people that were there and the groups that were there. And it's sobering when you think about our Savior being nailed to that cross. But you study leading up to it what's, what's equally sobering to me is the fact that he would take the abuse that he took before he even got to the cross. He went to the cross because he loved the very people who were putting him through physical abuse. He's the pattern. It's hard, I know. But we need to get out of our mindset and mentality as Christians that there are stipulations that people have to meet before we have the love of Christ or before we respond in a way. So we must follow the pattern. How do you follow the pattern? Very quickly, you have to yield to him. You have to yield to him. <laughs> Pastor, I have a temper. We all do. Pastor, I just we, we, all, we all have that. The only way we're going to be able to do what I'm being, what we're teaching, what we're seeing taught tonight, is we have to yield to Him. We want so bad. I want to. I want to be. I want to be much like Christ as I could. What would, what would He? What would He do? What would He say? And more importantly than that, what did He do? What did He say? Because if we ask that question, well, what would He do? Then we 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 judge that by what we come up with. No, He's given us a pattern. Boy, I'm working on. I'm going to rabbit trail. I'm working on a project dealing with grief right now. And the point I'm making in one part of it is grief is spiritual. Grief is our emotions. Grief is all those things. And more than we realize, Jesus gave us a pattern. Much of what we just read as a bypass, Jesus was saying, no, look at what I'm doing. Look at how I'm responding. We have a pattern when it comes to how to treat our enemies. Word number two is prayer. I know I'm praying for them to change it. Well, we'll get to that in a moment. A prayer for you. We don't just say, Jesus is my pattern. I'm yielding to him. It's done. No. We have to look at Jesus in our pattern. Then we have to get in our prayer closet. We have to have a time of prayer and say, Lord, it's not my nature to be like you. But would you help me? Guard my tongue. Would you help me guard my actions? Would you help me? And then when we slip up, we confess that to him. We ask for his strength. <coughs> Just praying a prayer and saying, Lord, help me not to say anything I shouldn't say. <coughs> he doesn't do it either. 
You have to, and that leads me to number three, practice. You have to determine this is the way you're going to do it. And you're just going to go do it. Say, well, how is it going to, if I just say, I want to be like Christ and I pray, Lord, help me. And by the way, that's why a lot of Christians don't get over besetting sins and things like that because they just pray and expect God to just take a magic wand. And, and there's no, God says he'll give you the strength, but he does say avoid. He does say lay down certain things. He does say give up. The same is true with this. We know it's what we got to do. It's against our nature. It's against our emotions. But I, I want to be like Christ. And so therefore, <coughs> I'm going to yield myself to him. I must pray <coughs> so that I stay right. First, deal with whatever thoughts come in my mind that shouldn't be there towards somebody. Deal with that. Ask the Lord to be, help that person. You can't be angry at somebody you're praying for. And if you don't think that's true, I dare you. Take the next 30 days and pray for them every day. They come talk to me about how angry and bitter you are at them. And the reason why we have anger and bitterness in our heart, the reason why we can't get over things because we're not praying for the other person. Pray, pray for them to get right. Pray for God to do a work in their life. But then practice. We must determine to do it. You can love your enemies. Did you know that? Pastor, not being able to do it. We can do it because Jesus told to command us to do it. And, and we're never commanded anything by God that we cannot do. We may not be able to do it in our own strength and our own power. That's why we have to yield to Him. That's why we have to put your feelings up. But I got my. They hurt my feelings. We've all been there. I'm not minimizing what anybody does to anybody. I, I think I can speak on this. But we've got to get to a place where I'm more concerned with what God thinks than what anybody else thinks. And I need to focus on my reaction. And I'm not going to stand here and say that I've always... Responded the way that I speak for yourself. I'll speak for me. I haven't. But I want to. And I, I almost started saying, introducing this thing, saying, well, I just want to admit that I am a big failure at what I'm teaching tonight. But I also want to say that I, I can say that I've had some success as well. And it's not because of Greg Neal, it's because I can yield myself to Jesus and say, I'm just going to follow his pattern. I'm going to follow his pattern. I'm going to follow his pattern. I'm going to follow his pattern and his pattern. And when I mess up, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm making a mental note. I'm making a point of saying, in my practice, I've got to change things. Oh, by the way, let me help you with this. There's some things on the Internet I don't look at. Why don't you? Because I'll hate people if I do. I'm not trying to, I mean, it's, it, I'm not, I'm being serious. Say, my pastor said, hey, no, you, you too. You will too. Because that's the way we are. So I don't want, there's certain people I avoid because I know it's going to elicit things out of me. And I would rather have my spirit as it should be. And I can love, sometimes you're a better family member if you don't get together. 
Now, if you came together in the same car, you have to go home together in the same car. That's not what I'm talking about. You, sometimes there's relationships, and they're not what you'd want them to be, not what they used to be, perhaps. Like, oh, I wish we could spend more time. They're, they're a family that I love, but I stay away. From, oh, I'm okay at a distance because then the differences aren't because I, I know how emotional it gets. I mean, funerals and weddings, Lord, help us. Um, I, think, I think Christ made the point. <laughs> we know it to be true. Let's live it. Pastor, that sounds great, but how am I going to do it? You've got to look at the pattern. You've got to, well, you've got, you got to read through, you got to read through at least one gospel every month. And I would encourage you, it, it, it won't take you but a half an hour to read through the book of John, from, from John 1 all the way through the, the book of Mark, especially Mark's very, the shortest gospel. What, why, why am I saying that? Because there's Christ, there's Christ, there's Christ. We're reminded of the example. Pray and then practice. Tomorrow, somebody is going to cross your path. <laughs> and let's control the way we act positive. 